0: Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a class from our 2022 Elul Learning Series. Tonight we are going to read right. what, on page 83, as, as per the assignment that I gave you. And we'll hopefully we'll be able to do that and um, the... Uh, Leila Second, or right, Leila theme Uh, but we'll see. You know, sometimes these get, these discussions become so intense that, uh, we don't, you know, <laughs> we don't move on to everything. All right. So here we are. First thing to notice is again, uh, well, this is, this is, you see, is an alphabetic acrostic, right? You see that? Is that yes. clear? alphabet you can see the highlighted first letters of all of the phrases all right again the the best model we have for that that we're all familiar with uh would be psalm 145 our mimcha which we call ashray because of the added sentences stuck on at the beginning but that is a uh an alphabetic acrostic okay there are three uh such Poems uh, in the Psalms, three alphabetic acrostics, but it became very common. Uh, and just another example, not perfectly alphabetic, but Bokado uh, D is a uh, uh, the, is an acrostic. The first letter of each of the paragraphs, not the frame is, leads tells us that the guy's name was Shlomo, Shlomo Halevi. Look at it, right? Shlomo HaLevi Alkabetz was the uh, author. So he, uh, immortalized himself by putting his name in his poem. And a lot of poets did that. Anyway, so this is, uh, that. Now, the second thing, if you notice there. Wait, you is... said there are three in the Tillum. Can you tell us what they are? Right now, off the top of my head, uh, one of them is Psalm 34. Is, and...
1: is 119 one of them? What? Is one nineteen? One of them?
0: It could be. Well, you know, one
1: nineteen. I, I didn't remember if it was alphabetic, but I remember that's the one where it's traditional to pull verses from for either sometimes for a tombstone in some diaspora, depending on the diaspora. Sometimes birth. Pretty sure that's one nineteen uh-huh. to describe the name.
0: Yeah.
1: I'll look, I'll look on my memory.
0: Yeah, check it out. Okay, I'm, I'm I know about thirty four. Because that's in the Sidur, we say it every, uh, Shabbos and holidays as part of Psuke de Zimra, the preliminary, uh, Psalms. Uh, and that also is an acrostic. By the way, just an aside, the Ashray and, and Psalm 34 are 21 verse. Uh, they, each one lacks a, a letter.
1: According to Google, acrostics in the first four of the five chapters that make up the book of Lamentations, that's, in the phrase,
0: yeah, yes. In, in the
1: phrase of the good wife in Proverbs 31, yes. And in Tillum 9, 10, 25, 34, 37, 111, 112, 119, oh, and 145. And
0: corrected. Okay, there's more. Good. Thank you. Those are the only ones that I was familiar with. Good. I learned something. I knew about all the other stuff, but I was only thinking in terms of Psalms. Very good. Thank you so much. Thank Google. <laughs> That's beauty of 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 the internet. Yes. Indeed. Okay. Anyway, so um the, it was not initially written for Rosh Hashanah. Okay, I and mean, if you look at it, take it out of the context of the Maksor. Okay, and so look at the themes, right? So it says uh you're you are just let me skim it through, okay? Well just read through the English very quickly. Look at it. Or you can read the Hebrew, whichever you want to move it. Something you can read, read quickly. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there are some, there are, the point is there are some themes in here, though, that one could make associated with, with.
2: um Especially the last line.
1: What? You live and endure? Um, that one, Norm?
2: Yeah, you you live and a revealed, exalted, and holy. Nara, uh Nera, umarum the Kadosh. Those are things we see a lot, I think, in the High Holiday liturgy.
0: Yeah, just, but let's I let's think know. thematically though. There's there, there are other words here. Yes, there are definitely words here that pop up in other elements of the of the yeah. uh, liturgy. Sure, and I'll show you one or two. Right, but the the point is so. But, but it, it has, it's a power, a very impactful thing. I mean, it talks about God creating, right? And, and, he, and there's an allusion to salvation. And, uh, we'll talk about that and see where that's from. Uh, righteousness, right? There's a lot of talk here about righteousness and truth, right? Tzedek, Tzaddik, okay? Truth, okay? And, um, but this God who is elevated on high, Right? Yeah. Elevated and exalted, you dwell in the heavens. Right. The one of the whole themes of the High Holidays is to bridge that gap, right? That makes God feel distant. Okay. Okay. And and yes, and you know, Habakim the Ramarom. Those terms all flow because Marom, Marom again. You know, exalted. Okay. So there, the these themes, but the uh, the thing is this. There is a reference in here that can refer to a king. It says, Kitro Yeshua. His crown is redemption. You see that? Okay. So there you have it. Crowned with redemption. Who wears a crown? A king. A king. Right. And, and a queen. one Zichro Lanetzach. Okay. Zecher, Zachor. Right. OK, now we're not sure. It's very interesting. It's a it's a, not an easy term to understand in this context. We'll talk about it. OK, so so the, there are words. Right. There are words that are that trigger an association. But I think these these basic principles um, that begin with the concept of creation and go to the notions of Righteousness and retribution and the reward and punishment, if you will, right? Righteousness, justice, just, dean, yes, um, and and the exalted nature. These themes, once the theology of Rosh Hashanah became more clearly uh, uh, cl- uh, clarified, yeah, that became. Uh, this people said, this is this is a beautiful poem. Let's let's put it in." It works, okay and uh and you know being an acrostic again why 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 were we acrostic what is one of the reasons acrostics were written easy to remember easy to remember exactly, that's how I learned a Ky, okay, mm-hmm. by heart, olive Gimel, ballad, you know, and if I stumble, I think, where am I gimmel, oh yeah, okay, you know, so okay, all right, anyway, good. So it's, it's not, it's not an unreasonable thing that, that this, that this poem, uh, should be, uh, made into part of the liturgy. And well, I thought it was interesting that the two that you asked us to read were written by the same person. Yes. Well, Khalir is a big python. His, his poetry is all over the place. And yeah. you, you'll see things for itisha he wrote. There's stuff in the, in the, in the in the holiday liturgy. Yes. He is one of the, you know, the the, the giants, if you will, of the you know, Eretz Yisrael Paitanim of the late Talmudic period, right?
2: Well, he's yeah. Talmudic, okay.
0: Huh? I said, oh, he's Talmudic. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, time-wise, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm sure that's the, right. Yeah. You know, there's no question, though, you will see, but from both of these poems, that he's very much aware of both rabbinic, and biblical notions. Now, he's not a dummy. And that's the beauty of the poem also. If you want to do, as we parse it, you'll see that there are ideas here that flow from the Bible and from allusions that are Talmudic. Um, and it's really fascinating. It's really fascinating. Uh, you know, I really, I you know, I it was not, when I would, when I would, when we say this, it's nice, but you sing it, you know, back and forth. It's like a little ditty. But that little ditty is not so little, if you'll, as we see. Okay. Now that begins with El Na, okay, which is sort of, it hangs by itself. And, and, uh, uh, Ruben Hammer comments on that, 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 that is not unusual in this, in this type of a setup, because it, what it does is sort of introduces, uh, it's, it's a plea to God before we go into all of these po- poems. That please God accept these, this poetry as an acceptance and, and the emotions and the commitments and the praise of you, okay, that, that, um that they express. Okay, it's a bakashah, right? Eil na. Like, give somebody remember from the Torah, from the book of Numbers, a prayer that began Eil na. Um, does
1: somebody have a voice to sing the Debbie Friedman? Because I don't have a good voice. No, no, no. <laughs> El That's
0: it. Yes. Aye. Who said that? What was that about? It's Tybal with a lousy voice. No, no, Tybal, Yeah, I know that. <laughs> not not because of the oh, voice.
1: Miriam. Miriam, isn't it supposed to be the shortest prayer in the Bible? Moses. Allah.
0: Moses' prayer for Miriam. Yeah. Moses prayer for Miriam. Absolutely. That's right. Good. Yes. And the um the uh one second. Yeah, and so it it it's picked up here and used the same way. And and it it's a, it, but the thing is, it's there at the sort of the beginning of a stream of these things, saying, God, here's here's our accept all, all that follows, everything that follows. Please accept it. You know, we we we're a we do a lot of pleading to God on the high holidays, and this is one of those pleas. Okay, so now bashamaim ubaarets, right? You are our God in heaven and on earth. Okay, so that's the Aleph and the Bet. And okay, this is this sets the foundation, yeah. Heaven of you know God of heaven and earth, our God. So we have established a direct connection between ourselves and God. Now let's see. Let's define this God. How does this God operate? Okay. Gibor Okay, Gibor. What's a Gibor? Will you look a hero. Aza
1: Gibor from four one. Well, yes. it's the other way around. Right.
0: A, he- a hero, but it means a powerful one, right? G- Gibor. So like Shimshon haGibor. Right? Yes, associated, but, but gvura is strength. So it's a her, yes, the, the, it's, it's a strong person, many of whom became heroes. Yes. And it's, it's a, it is a powerful statement of power. And it is a definitely a, a positive uh, attribute. Na'arats, though, is a very interesting term. Okay. Na'arats is a, um, It's very interesting. It means praised or praised or being, for being powerful or awesome. Okay? It's not just praised, but it's it's praise in in the sense of awesomeness. That's what this is saying. Now where do we use that term elsewhere? Mm. Except it's not in a, a PL form, a passive form. But an active form. Isn't it someplace in the Amida? Yes, it is. Add a, a, a yud somewhere. Add a yud after oh. the race. Naritsa. Naritsa. Oh, okay. Our Musaf Sephardic Chakri. Okay. Yes. Let us praise God. Right. That's part of the Kadusha. Yes. All right, so, so ultimate power, holy right? the king, the king of the of heaven and earth. Right, yes. So see, so he is praised. Right, and here more dagul niravah, dagul celebrated like a degel. Right, you wave it. Right, so it has that connotation of of celebrated, of of pointed out, of of. uh you know, people take notice, merivava, right, from, from thousands, right? Multitude, multitudes. Okay. Now, dagul Mervava is a phrase that actually comes from the Bible. So we're talking now about sources. Okay. It is from, interestingly enough, Song of Songs, five, chapter five, verse 10 okay dagul meravava unique pray you know glorified among the many okay and that th- that's the the uh, female lover speaking of of the male lover of his how beautiful he is and how outstanding he is you know among the many so here he is using a and it's interesting because if you think about the association that Shir Hashirim has. Why does Shir Hashirim become such a a popular a book? You know what I'm talking. Do you know that in the Sephardic tradition, Shir Hashirim is recited after Mintha, before Kabbalat Shabbat every Shabbat. It's,
2: it's a, a th- great love. It's a great love story, and it can talk about the love between God and the Jewish people.
0: Absolutely. Thank you very very much. Is that Alan?
2: This is Alan with, on someone else's phone, who is adobining with Barry with me as well. Introduce yourself.
0: Bob. Robert Sklar?
2: Yes. It's Bob Sklar and Alan Brody on this phone.
0: the dynamic duo. Very good. Yes. Anyway, correct. So because it's the love between God and Israel. Okay. That's what Rabbi Akiva said. And that how it, that's how it became a, a very, Beautiful and articulated in many different ways, uh, a metaphor for God and Israel, the relationship. And so here it is placed in here as if it's reminding God. And here again, this is a reason why you may want to say this on, on Rosh Hashanah. It's reminding God that, you know, we are in love with each other. Right? We are in love with each other because we're part of this covenant of love. God, the God, the, the husband, and Israel, the wife. That's how it was understood. Okay. Now we're going to see the creation start. So husach vayehi. Okay, sach is a very unusual term. Um, you don't find it a lot. I checked it out. <clears throat> see, the verb is both rabbinic and, and biblical, but that usage is is very very unusual. And, and that's the thing. Kalir will use very creative, unusual Hebraic terms. Okay. Lemid, we saw that word before me. Lemid, nidim, uh, from the, uh, um, the, the, the uh, burshoot, the little prayer we looked at as the permission. Remember that was in our first session, in the permission to, no, the second session, uh, permission to say piutim. So there, there are very strange, sometimes very unusual terms that he uses though. He spoke and things became, right? That is the essence of Genesis chapter one. Okay. Again, the most power, I've said this a dozen times. All right. So somebody should be able to answer me. What is, the, I see your hand, Barbara, just a second. What is the, um, um, Wait a minute. What was I going to say? Yes. What verb is the most common verb in Genesis chapter one? What Hebrew verb? Spoke. Spoke. Amar. Byomer. By exactly. How many times? Well, at least. Pick a, pick a number. Pick a good Jewish number. Not seven. 40.
2: Eighteen.
1: Six
0: hundred and thirteen. <laughs> Close. Eighteen. Ten. Ten times. Ten times, okay, yeah, so it's it's in the speaking is clearly a biggie, yeah, okay, and it's going to continue next one, hold on, Barbara, let me just do the next two itsva <inaudible> <inaudible> he, he commanded siva <inaudible> but yeah, he is from the verb haya, it was, he spoke, and it was it came into being, siva ibra, <inaudible> he commanded, and they were created, push chum, just like that. Okay, no effortless and all again, spoken, spoken, spoken. It picks up on the expression of the unique power of God that God doesn't create by doing things with God's hands, be they visible or invisible, like God in the chapter in chapter two, where God uses his invisible hands to shape Adam. Okay, chapter one, no reference, anything like that speech, amorphous, can't see it. Okay, Barbara Brager. Yeah, I want to go back to where you said that God is the man and Israel is the female. Yes. Does does that make Israel the Shabbat queen that comes in on Shabbat? Well, in a sense, there is a connection there. Yeah. They can, well, here's how it plays out. Um, no, Shabbat is the bride and the Shabbat is the Shechina. But yes, the Shechina by in 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 Kabbalah. The Shekhinah is called Malchut, kingship, okay, which is, um, a feminine word. But the point is, Shekhinah is also defined as the mirror image of Ami Israel. Okay. Because Shekhinah is the, is the Sfiraz. Shekhinah is the spiritual element within God that ultimately is directly responsible for the creation of the world. So. Shekhinah is sometimes called, uh, the, the, the community of Israel. Okay? Okay. So therefore, in the sense that, yes, we are the bride and God is the groom on Shabbat. The oh. same Shekhinah is the bride in Tiferet, the male, the dominant male element within God in the in this Kabbalistic system is is the is the groom? Yes, yes. Thank you. D. And it's all, but the 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 uh, basis of the symbolism that was ascribed to Song of Songs. Don't forget, I mean, realistically, Song of Songs is a is a powerful sensual love poem. Okay, gotcha. that's what it is. It's beautiful, and it's in there. It became very popular because people resonated with it. And saw it as part of the beauties of love, right? Love makes the world go round. Okay, that's what Rambam taught. I will go. I won't go into that now. Okay. Anyway, it sounds. Uh, it doesn't sound like Rambam, does it? Yes, Karen. And On the t- right hand side. Yes.
1: Uh, I love this thing about you are my witnesses. <laughs> I am, and I am God when you are my witnesses. Am I
0: the wrong poem? Where are, wait a minute.
1: Uh, on the, on the right hand side when they're. In
0: the English, the right hand called the, I In the I can't English,
1: remember. yes. When it, when it, says, oh, and you, oh, no, holy no, one. No, we're not
0: there. We're not there yet.
1: Oh. Yeah, okay. Never mind then.
0: No, no, we are commanded. It was created. Right. Yes. That's the last thing we said. Right. All right. So now here's the thing. Zichro. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. Taibel.
1: Yeah, I wish I felt better and could have my video on. But um, so when you were talking about the foundational narrative, you went a direction that took me by surprise. So I just want to understand more because I always thought the thing in which is less of anthropomorphism that I thought got emphasized is that it was words and not something like clay. That was the material in which humans were created. But you emphasized the analogy to body part. You said hands, and I would assume the other is voice. And I it took me by surprise, and I'm just interested to hear more about the hands versus well, voice. That, because
0: Right, because if you look at the it, – it, 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 this is chapter 2 of Genesis, right? Not chapter 1. Chapter 2 is the more anthropomorphic, even though there is no mention to hands. But it says god t- God took the the uh soil right that had been moistened by the flow of water, and he shaped it. The term that is used is byitzzer okay the verb yatzar is it can mean to create, but it really means to shape what is a yotzer in in secular Hebrew? It's a craftsman. All right. And, but the fact that it is, it, it, he shaped the clay. Yes. Okay. So what do you use to shape something? So I said before, it's his invisible hands, right? I've often made the case if George Lucas could get hold of that, you know, with all of his electronics and, and, you know, simulated things, you would see these, you see the shape of like fingers. Working the soil. That's what I meant. It doesn't mean God actually has hands. No, no, no. But it, it's, but it is, my point is, as opposed to the, to, to, uh, chapter one, where it's merely speaking, yes, where it's sound, which is, that does not have any physical manifestation. Here you see a physical manifestation in the shaping, a, a quasi-physical manifestation in the shaping of the soil. That's what I meant. Okay. Does that clarify it? Yeah, it, it, a
1: yeah, uh, yeah, piece of it, but enough. I, I, okay. I don't want to slow us down. I just was
0: fascinated. Yeah, yes, of course. It requires more clarification. Yes. Okay, moving on. Zichro Now, this is interesting, okay? Now, there is the Zecher, right? That one could say, oh, sure, this is zecher, Yom Yomazikaron, right? So remembrance. So there's a word that one could use as a hook. To plug this into Rosh Hashanah liturgy. Okay? All right. But what does it mean here? His does it mean it means his remembrance is eternal? <clears throat> now look at the translation. It says, your name endures forever. Okay? So it's inter it could mean that because if you think of um when you say a um, the name of a deceased person, what do you say? Zichronolivracha, right? May his memory be for a blessing. But it's associated with the mention of the name. Okay, so there is a kind of an association that way. Or his, it could mean his, his reputation, how people remember God, how people think of God. Okay, but what, what does it mean in eternal? That's the thing. I, I can't figure that out. His remembrance is eternal; that he will be remembered for eternity, maybe. Okay, could be. Why not? Yeah, why not? All right. Yeah, but the but well the, but the thing is, who? Yeah, okay. But it's therefore it's presuming then that the physical world as we know it, or maybe no, the spiritual world as well. Yeah, I mean, if if the physical world um no god promised he would never destroy it okay so god's not going to destroy it but if we stupid humans decided to destroy the physical world um but you still have the olam haba right the eternal spiritual world and in that sense you could say people in you know the souls of everybody who last which last forever they will remember god for an eternity So his reputation, be it on earth or not on earth, will last forever. So maybe we want to say his name in the sense of his reputation. Remember, the name is the essence in in rabbinic and in biblical teaching. The name is the essence, a very important statement, if you will, of the essence of the person who bears the name. Uh, And we see that, as I've said before, in Deuteronomy, where it says God will place his name in the tabernacle. He doesn't say, I will dwell in it as it does in Shemot. It says, I I will place the in the location where I cause my name to abide. Why? Because God's presence, the actual presence, is in heaven. But the name is the essence of the presence. It's the closest to the presence, so to speak, you can get. And that's what's in the tabernacle. Okay, read the book. It's very clear. It never says that. Never says that God came down on Mount Sinai, as it does in Shemot. It doesn't say that the Kavod was there. It says that God's voice came from outside, from out of the fire. God's voice came out of the fire. That's in Deuteronomy. Okay, and that was on the mount, but doesn't say God was. So it's. That's a different different theology there. Much more, I would say, contemporary in the sense of very abstract. Okay, It's amazing. There are numbers of statements in the Torah and in other biblical books that present God in very abstract terms. Uh, and I think intentionally so. Uh, and a lot of the mythological stuff that you see and pops up here and there uh, is very ancient. It they, they may be, you know, perpetual. For example, that he, he defeats Rahab, the, the sea monster, right? And, and he, uh, you know, indeed he defeats Tahom, uh, Tiamat, the, the, the goddess of the deep. These terms pop up. Okay. But those are the very ancient associations where the, the term I like to use and those of you who took my class in the past where, where, uh, the, the, the biblical authors repurpose pagan terms and 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 sort of purge them of their paganism and associated them with God. And that's very frequent. Again, uh somebody mentioned God's name. Uh, you know, somebody mentioned 18 times. Okay, so you, you know, in 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 Psalm uh, 29, how about Hashem bnei Right, we sing that. We take the Torah around. Right, 18 mentions of Hashem's name. Yet it's filled with all kinds of associations that are Baal-like. And that's repurposing to the nth degree. Because what, what that psalm is saying is, yeah, you have all these natural phenomena that the guys who don't know better associate with this, this fake God called Baal. But in point of fact, who with whom shall we associate the earthquake and the wind and the thunder and the lightning, et cetera, et cetera? Hashem. 18 times. It's, God, it's, Hashem, it's Hashem, it's Hashem, it's Hashem. Say it to yourself, you know? They're beating us over the head. Well, that's the point. It's much more because these ancient things were repurposed. But the later expressions move beyond that and start talking in terms of much more spiritual things, much more, much less physical things, uh, and that they're more sophisticated. Okay? All right. So uh and that's a the next the next uh uh statement, okay? He lives by the way, again, you can see the same kind of thing. There's these associations where each each se- each statement is somehow connected to the one previous or the one following. Mm-hmm. Sometimes more directly, sometimes less so. But remember, he's dealing here with the alphabet as well. And that's a that's a factor that sort of limits his choices. Okay, so but Hyolamin, the same concept. His name is forever, and he lives forever. Olamin in this context means. Olam um, va'ed, rather than melech Olam, right, forever, all right? Now, this is very interesting, tahor ein okay, tahor ein pure of, his eyes are pure, what does that mean? So it says here, perceiving perfectly, nice poetry there, you see the two Ps, perceiving perfectly, the translator here had a fun, had a good time. All right, but what does it mean, pure eyes? Got am, no, I la-
1: am I no allowed Am a joke? Not looking at
0: idols. Right? Huh? May- not looking at idols and
1: things that we shouldn't be looking at. Well, this is God. It's
0: God doing
1: I was going God. to is- say, half a joke, there's a mechitza joke in there.
0: Say again? <laughs> it again? There's a mechitza joke in there. I got it. Right, you know, there's different kinds of mechitzas. The, the the ones that most modern Orthodox like they're high enough for din and low enough for pleasure. Yes, is that what you're talking about? Yes. <laughs> yes, I'm familiar with that. Yes, my cup of tea. Yes. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, yes. Yeah, so, but I think purity of eyes, right? It, it's a it's a very strange term. I don't know. I couldn't find where it's from. Be, you know, the term Tahor, of course, it's very biblical, it's very rabbinic, but eyes that are pure probably means that they're like Superman, right? I mean, he well, yes. Uh, but I, I think it might mean that they're on, the eyes are only seeing good things. It could be. or, uh, he, very, he, or Yeah, it could be, but let's see. Uh Yeah, yeah I, I, that's a nice thing to think of. But the fact is it also tells us that he sees the the when they get into the thelor you're gonna see he looks into our kishkas okay and he can see the truth of our essence from looking literally into our physical body because they believed that you can learn things about a person's personality and character from their innards you could read you could they, they used to look at innards uh for for uh, uh Prophesying the future, you know, for other things. But there's hidden messages. And remember the heart. Yes, Pohein Klyot Volev is a term you're going to see. On no, Tori totally
2: could no? it be a contrast with the possibility of Tame that he doesn't look at us with an evil eye? He looks at us um, beneficently.
0: Okay, that's a possibility. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's it, kind of it, on the same order. Yeah, it could be. It could be. Yeah, I'm not saying no. But yeah. I'm trying to think also it, it may apply to if yeah, I'm not disagreeing with that. Right. But it also apply to imply apply to the notion that his, his he's the, it's this tr- this tremendous power that he has that he can see things that we cannot. Okay? That, so I'm not, they're not contradictory in a sense. But, but the, but it's a statement of, of the uniqueness. Cause look what comes next. Yoshev Seter. He dwells in secrecy. Okay. That's also, what do you mean he dwells in secrecy? Because we really can't know him. He is a big secret. Okay. We know he dwells in heaven or maybe he dwells on earth or maybe he's in both places simultaneously. But the bottom line is, We really can't see God. So we can't, we can't look at God. We can't look at his moods by reading his face, right? We, we can't describe God. We can't think in terms of is he strong? Is he weak? We can't, those are all metaphors. Okay. So he's, his life is secret. His existence is secret. And, and this is a, this is a very, so he's, this, he's writing this now in, in his career sometime around 500 CE. All right. So this is a very sophisticated concept. Okay. This is, this is as far from idolatry as you can get, right? The whole point with idolatry was you can actually see images of the gods. You can get a sense of their physical presence, but here it's, it's he lives in secrecy. And it's the unknowability of God. I I often teach that the reason why you have these two creation stories at the beginning of the Torah is the the brilliance of the redactor who put them together because they are there are contradictory elements there. You can say they're complementary, but even within one, adding to the other, there are still contradictions there. But the point is, it's it's confusing. Which God is there? One God who's, who does things just by talking. The other God who, you know, is, looks quasi mythological. And, and this is the, you know, in, in chapter three, it says that the, the, Adam and Eve heard, heard God walking through the garden. Remember they're hiding because they're guilt. They feel guilty because they ate from the tree. So they hear God moving through the garden. You can say, well, it was a wind. Okay. But that's not what it says. God was moving through the garden. That is a physical thing. Now they couldn't see his body, but sure enough, he was moving. The, the tree, the branches were moving. You know, the grass was moving. So that's the point. So that's the God of that's the God of the second creation. God of the first creation, He speaks. That's all. So it's a different concept. Aren't, aren't isn't that confusing? The answer is yes, because we cannot comprehend. So we grope, we grasp for different perceptions of God. And in a certain sense, they will coexist, if not in each of us. Some of us who are right now, you know, part of this class may be more oriented to the God of Chapter 2, because he's very touchy-feely and close and involved and engaged. God of Chapter 1 is much more Kaplanian. The force He's removed, right? At the end, he says, here, you guys, it's now in your hands. You rule. Okay, I'm going to be up in heaven. You rule and say it, but why would why would we rule down here if he doesn't? Why didn't he rule? So we're the lieutenants. We're in charge of the platoon. He's up there making strategy with the generals. Okay, mm-hmm. so I, it's it's but that's the point. It's exactly the point. He is a secret. So when they say Tahore Nine, here we are coming with all kinds of suggestions because we don't really fully understand what that means. Sure, we don't. Does he have eyes in the first place? Yeah, they have eyes that are perfectly pure. Who ever heard of perfectly pure eyes? Even Ask Dr. Breger. Uh, No. (laughs) I I got floaters, right? I'm ready to (laughs) have cataract operation. I have pure eyes. No, I wear glasses. We all wear glasses. We have contact lenses. We don't have pure eyes. So it's nothing we can see, you know, whatever. We see animals that go blind. Okay. So it's, it's some, it, it's, okay. Moving on. How's the time? Okay. We're still good. Okay. All right. Now, these next lines, though, this is interesting. Kitro Yeshua, right? His crown. Again, king, kingship. Okay. That's, that we can associate with Malkuyot. Yes. God is king, Rosh Hashanah. Yeah. So his crown is redemption. Right? His, let's say his crowning act, if you will, from the Jewish people's perspective. Right? He's got the power to redeem. Right? The crown is a symbol of divine authority. Right? The king wears the crown. It's a symbol of divine authority. So this God with his authority and power, he can redeem. Folks, he can redeem. Okay? Lubushots Daka. His, his, he is, he is clothed in righteousness. Okay, good. He, he can, he's just. He's fair. Right? He's a righteous God. This is good. On the other hand, ma'atehu kina. Ma'atehu means, again, his, what he was robed in is, is zeal. Right? He is zealous. You know, it, like, um, who, who was, uh, what's, uh, Pinchas was zealous because he was zeal, he was zealous for God. Right? He is powerfully committed to the principles for which he stands and in which he believes. This is God. Okay? Therefore, Neapadnikama, he is clothed in 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 retribution. Right? He will punish. He will punish. It's part of the system of justice. Okay? Okay. All right. So this is and then it it goes on to say even more. I mean, well that's that no sorry, one second. Yeah. I am want to hold off on that for a minute, because that's, that's another complicated line. But the point is, the interesting thing is, so here you see this God is dressed. That's the point. Four statements of God wearing clothing. So on the one hand, we're talking about a very amorphous, very complex, spiritual God, but yet now we're dressing him. We're putting clothing on this God that we can't see and we can't comprehend, but he's wearing clothing. Okay, you know, it's the opposite of the empire's new clothes. There you could see the emperor, emperor's new clothes, could see the emperor, but couldn't see the clothes. Here you can see the clothes, but you can't see the emperor. I just thought of that. Isn't that funny? Ha ha ha. Good one. Good one. Okay. Okay. Now, but here's where it, but here's where it comes from. I will tell you, and footnote says so right over here. It says, crown crown the salvation. This line, the next three lines, Using the metaphor of God's closing are based on Isaiah 59:17, and lo and behold, I have I will now read you Isaiah 59:17. It says the following: Va'yilbash zdaqa kashiryon bekova Yeshua baroshov, va'yilbash bideh nakam betilbashet yat kameil. Okay, kameil kingah. Okay. So he donned victory like a coat of mail with a helmet of triumph on his head. He clothed himself with garments of retribution, wrapped himself as zeal as in a robe. Okay. So our, po- our poet here has basically either used the same language or, or similar terms or synonyms for the line in Jeremiah. Okay. That's where he got it. Jeremiah 59. Okay. And so, again, it shows you the creativity. But here's a poet who just, boom, grabbed these terms and plugged them right in to—and um and, and that, too, is talking about God. So he's using them within his poem, slightly modified in certain cases, but, but here you go. And so he, he's—I mean, I think based upon everything that we've seen so far— He's taking for granted that we understand that this is a metaphor but it but it's associating he's using this to get across the various uh um aspects of how God operates he operates re- with redemption he does redemption he does righteousness he is he does zealousness, and if necessary, he will do retribution okay so that's <laughs> it. so again, use of biblical sources all right. Okay, any comments? Gesundheit. Now, this next line. There's a series of things here that deal with uh truth. Okay, deals with truth and fairness. All right, here we go. Sitro yosher. Okay, this is translated here as uh, urging uprightness. Okay, that's fine. But sater again, means What? Secret. If you translate it literally, it means his secret is uprightness, is yosher, righteousness. His secret. Now, so here it means he is he urges this, right? He's trying to get it across because right afterwards it says atzato emuna, his advice, his counsel is is uh, is emuna, faith, faithfulness. Okay, so counsel is something you're you're conveying an idea here. But Citro is a, it's a very strange way of saying that, because satyr means something that is secret, hidden. So I want to offer an alternate explanation and uh, see what you think about it, okay? I say his secret means the following, that yosher is his secret. That term, yosher, righteousness, justice is secret in the sense that it is a profound principle with many levels of meaning, it is subtle, it is complex. Okay? It's not that something we can't comprehend, but in comprehending it, it means that this is a a, a very profound yosher, justness, righteousness, is a very deep principle. Okay. And, it, and, and, and so when we as- aspire on Rosh Hashanah and following, if we've cleansed ourselves, and try to move forward morally and spiritually, it means that we are dealing here in this process with something that requires a lot of thought and feeling and faith. Okay. It's not, a, it's not a, it's not a, uh, it, it, it's, rec- it's, it's, it's emphasizing the complexity of monotheism. And we said from the outset, that's exactly the nature of monotheism. It's very complex. And it may be that that's what this means. It's a hidden word. It's a word that, it's it's not that he doesn't want to reveal it, but it takes effort on our part to fully appreciate to what that means. Because, I mean, there are statements that will say, there's a, in the Midrash, there's a statement where they are rabbis, they're, they're playing around. You know, if you want a world that's filled with justice, we'll see this next week. If you want a world that's got justice, well, you're not going to have a world. It doesn't because it's not it's not going to happen. If you have a if you just have a place where it's justice only, you're not going to have you're not going no sorry. If you're going to have a world, you're not going to have justice. If you want if you're just going to have justice, you're not going to have a world. In other words, in a sense, the two things the 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 reality of existence on the earth versus the uh, idealism of justice. They, they, they seem to be in conflict with one another. Okay. So but the answer, the reason why I was saying it is because ultimately you've got to have both. You have to somehow find a way to balance between justice and the reality of the processes of the world. That's what this is saying. I mean, so I think in a sense, that's an example of what we're talking about here. That this justice, this, this righteous, what is right, what is, has, has, rightness to it, is something that is a complex notion. You want to do what's right. On the other hand, there's a certain reality here. I, I'll give you an example. There's a famous story about a poor guy, a family, in a poor part of town, and the mother, the, the old mother who's living with them is very, very sick. And they run out of medicine. Okay, and the guy on that particular night, the pharmacy decided to close early. So by the time the son got there to get the medicine, then they had their they had the prescription there. Okay, they had the prescription, but couldn't. There was nobody was there. So he broke in, and the alarm went off. And he scrambled, scrambled, scrambled. He knew sort of where they kept it. And he grabbed the bottle and ran out and gave it to his mother. Okay. Reality. He broke in. Right. He violated the property. He took something that he didn't pay for. And his whole intention, of course, was I'll pay him when I see him next. I'll I'll fix the glass if I have, you know. But at that moment, right, he broke the law. On the other hand, it's Yosher. He was going to save a person's life. Go to court. How do you argue? A couple lawyers here, right? I don't, don't do it now. <laughs> but you understand. You can make the case. The law is the law. The guy broke the law. Even it may be justified, but that's the law. You got to, you people should know that you. People won't know that 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 Herbie was under pressure to save a person's life. All they'll know is that Herbie broke the glass and stole something. If Herbie can do it, I'll do it. No, the other side. His mother. Ibud M. Huh? Ibud M. Ibud M, exactly. Right? And there was a way of keeping her alive, keeping her going, yes. Keeping her with them, right? So okay, so that's an example. I you know, justice is a challenging thing. It is. In reality sometimes conflicts. Anyway, that's the point. Okay? So I think that would be what this is.
1: Rabbi? Yes. Um you said legal but I wanted to toss literary on that one. Victor Hugo got 5 volumes out of Jean Valjean stealing the bread to keep his family alive.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that, really.
1: 5 volumes. Not that there's, you know, five in Torah just because you started talking about the conflict and that's where my literary mind went with Jean Valjean. Right, got
0: it. Yes. Yes. No, exactly. It's not just a Jewish problem. Right? It's, it's an issue. Sure. I mean, there's a statement in the Talmud that the reason why the Second Temple was destroyed, because B'nai Israel followed the law, they implemented the law, they kept the law, but they didn't implement justice. At a certain point, law can become unjust. The situation's change, Right? And you've got to take that into factor. So, it's, it's a challenging thing. So maybe that's what this is saying. It ain't easy, but it's there. It's a, and it's a basic element of how God operates. Then atato emuna, right? His counsel his is, his faithfulness. Amen. Okay. emuna, Faith. But it really, it means for being faithful, fulfilling your word, doing what you just said you were going to do. Pu'ulato emet. Right? His, his labor, his efforts. Our truth, truth is something that he, that comes from him. Okay, and then it says Sadiq Ashar. Now it's not clear here. The problem is the other nouns puula, Sater are nouns that are associated with another noun. Right? His counsel is this. This is this. But Sadiq the Ashar, it seems as if this is talking not about the what God does, but what God is. He is righteous and he is Yashar. In the end, he is. Sadiq the Ashar. That's God. Okay? And as such, he is just. All right? That's the only way I can understand because the, the 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 thrust of the, the um of the nouns here has shifted. A tzaddik is an individual. It's not a a, a thing. It's an individual. So it's got to be a persona, in this case, God. All right, so, but now, but read on. You'll see, it continues. One second. It continues. Karov the be'emet. Right? He is close to those who call upon him in truth. Right? close to those who call upon him in truth. So that it must be that Sadiq V'yashar and Karov go together. Because God, it's all talking about God. He's close to those. So he does things truthfully, and he expects that when we call upon him, we will have spoken truthfully. We have to emulate the qualities of God. That's, And he's close to us when we do that. We can get close to him. Okay, that's from Psalm 145, by the way. Ashrei, that line. Okay, something similar to that. Now, but then look what it says. He's close to us, but at the same time, Ramu mitnase. He is high up, and 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 and, and, and he is exalted, right? Nasli hitnase, in this game, lifted up, hitnase, elevated. So he's up there, sholchin shechakim. He lives up at, shachak means the heavens. He lives in heaven, right? But at the same time, he is close to us. So what it means is we call out to him and our voices are sincere and truthful. They will traverse the gap, the vacuum, and will ascend up to where he is. That is the essence of what we do on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. That's what the whole point is, right? To bridge this gap. So that's another reason to put this poem into the high holiday liturgy, right there. That's the job that we have. But now it's going back to God. He's up and living, he lives up there in the heavens. And look what he does. Tole erets al right? He suspends the earth on nothing, on a nothingness. Okay, this is from the book of Job. You can see chapter 26, verse 7. The word ma is interesting because sometimes you see in a dictionary, it'll be dash ma which means without anything, without nothing, or without what? Again, one of those confusing terms, but it implies the earth is suspended, right? That's what it says. The world is suspended. They knew that we were, that we were hanging there in space. What holds us up? Nothing. God. Right. Exactly. Okay. And what could be, a, what could be a greater blessing? Right. We are dependent upon God for the very movement of our earth and maintaining it in a place where we can live on it. Right. Well folks, I hate to tell you, but at a certain point in time, God's going to fail us because this whole solar system and the whole galaxy is going to go away. It's going to run out of energy. That's what them scientists are telling us today. So, you know, God operates in strange ways. Anyway, no, they didn't know from those things. Okay. But it's, but the statement, I was just being a little humorous here, but the statement actually though is a powerful statement that Ultimately, the very existence of this earth, right? Floating as it does in, in, in ether. It's up, it's because of God. So it sort of ends. It's interesting, right? It ends where it began, right? He created the world, right? Right. right? And now, and now again, we're going back to where we live and our current existence. Depends on God's goodness. And finally, yes, this concluding statement. And again, going back to things we've already, it's like a summary statement, because we already talked about the fact that he's eternal, right? Chai the he lives and is in existence. No-Ra, he is awesome. Marom, on high, the Kadosh and holy. And in that regard, it starts to point us in the direction of the segment of the service that is going to come right after this, which is the Kedusha. Not immediately, but it's moving in that direction. Okay. So that concludes it. Um, I hope you find this to be as meaningful as I have found it. I think it's fascinating. It's very creative when you see all of these subtleties that are woven into it. Guy was was a fine poet, and he was doing this all within the limitations of an alphabetic acrostic. Hard to write, but hopefully easy to remember. Okay, any comments, questions? Alan, stay on for a minute afterwards. I have an answer to your question. Okay? What's the exact meaning of Yashar? Yashar, straight. Straight? Straight. Straight
1: and narrow, yes.
0: Yashar. A straight person, an honest person. In Israel, you say, how do I get to Tel Aviv? Yashar, Yashar, you mean small, but you shall Straight, okay. straight, left, right, and ask over there. Okay. okay. Yashar means straight. But it's
1: also straight like a person is straight, as opposed exactly. to being, that's what this being crooked is. That's or not, not,
0: uh,
1: that's not what going by the narrow path.
0: Right. That's right. That's what this is. A person who's straight means that he's not a curvy guy. He's not. He's not bent. You can crooked, trust.
1: Crooked,
0: crooked. Like an arrow. You shoot an arrow straight, straight as an arrow, right? On target. You can trust them. Alright, that's the whole point. Like I said right, it's, it's um you know, righteousness or rightness. Okay? The, the Yiddish term, yosher. If something is, is, um uh, is proper, morally or ethically proper, it's yosher. Right? So-and-so overpaid. Okay. You give him back what he overpaid because it's Yosha. Law, even if there weren't a law, you do it because it's Yosha. It's the right thing to do. And in certain respects, it's even greater than the law. Okay. Tyville.
1: Um, now that we finished the PU, may I bring you back to uh, Karen's question about
0: witnesses? Oh, yes. Go ahead. Hold on. Um, Wait, where is where do you see witnesses?
1: It's on the right. It's the bottom half. If you look at the bottom half, it starts in bold and capitals. And you, O Holy One, are enthroned throughout the praises of Israel. And the drop down halfway in the paragraph, it's this idea of human beings being the witnesses for God.
2: What?
0: Where? On, on page
1: 83. Yes. Okay, sir if you look at the commentary paragraphs, if I'm just dropping that correctly, on the right, it's the commentary third
0: paragraphs.
1: Yeah, it's the third Uh-oh. commentary paragraph. And I thought you meant when she asked it Oh that we no, no, no,
0: no, 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 no. That that paragraph is from the previous page. Oh. Uh. Um, no, those top that's I crossed them out on this thing. No, you are holy one are enthroned through the praises of Israel. <laughs> that's not on this page. That's Left over from the previous page, or maybe it's above it. It could be. I cut this off of the page. Sorry, it's the top of the page. Komoha? Huh? This is the the, the the way this page is set up. Yeah,
1: oh, yeah, it's from the yeah, it Atacodoku. Uh, before our That's right. before uh, i own love. I, heard 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 heard. Heard. I, I
0: see right links now. Right, got it, got it. Got, it. Yes. got it. Okay, does that answer the question? Uh, well.
1: It answers the Peshat of the question. Yes. I'm, do Karen, you, does it answer your question, Karen?
0: Karen, where are you? Well, there you are. Yeah, I mean, I have to, um move on. Okay, yeah, so never that, mind. that's the Midrash. You are my witnesses, says Adonai. I am God. Right. Well, without you, read what it says. Well, no, when when you are my witnesses, I am God. But when you are not my witnesses, this is if I'm not your God. It, it means that, you know what? Yes, it means that there's a mutual dependence. Yes. Between the people and God. It, like yes. that's, that's very biblical, right? <clears throat> Why are we the chosen people to, to sanctify God? So we have to witness God's holiness in the world so that, and if we don't do that, then the rest of the world won't know. Right. right? So, you know, it's the same thing. Why does God in Ezekiel, why did God tells Ezekiel, tell the people, I'm not taking you out of captivity because of you. It's because of me. Because the longer you are in captivity, the more the people will say, what kind of a weak God is this who can allow his people to go into captivity, but can't help them get back into their land? And that would be a desecration of my name, okay? And your being in captivity and unable to fully witness me means you can't fulfill your role. The only way you can witness me is if you are an independent nation running your own lives, following the Torah, and that can only happen in Eretz Yisrael. Right. Does that answer my your question? Even though it wasn't in the material, it's at the top of the page. Okay. but I'm glad you picked up on that anyway. It's good. It's a good point. Okay. Norm hand raised
2: Yes. Do you think it's possible that the popularity of this pew is dependent in part on the fact that the lines are very short? So it's relatively season. easy yeah. for congregants
0: to... It's easily learned. It it's easily memorized.
2: Easily yeah. memorized. Even when not memorized, it's easy to participate.
0: Yes. I see as as a liturgical poem. In other words, yes. But that's a good point. there are yeah.
2: other Pu team, especially in Kibber, where the lines are very long and relatively difficult.
0: Exactly, that's true. That's, that's very possible. We keep on forgetting that there were no cedar Inn back then. Yeah, everything. I mean, there were people who had the prayers written down on manuscripts, or they knew them by heart. You know, because back then memorization was part was was a skill that was yeah. really. Uh, it was, it was fostered by the, by ancient Israel because memory, memorization was seen to be a very
2: popular way. Of, but, but the enduring popular, <clears throat> you know, popularity isn't because it's easy to memorize, because it's not that easy to memorize, I think, but because it's got short lines.
0: Yes, it could be. Yeah, you know, when you sing it even. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's, uh, but I'm saying short lines in the sense, <laughs> right, the ideas are. But here's the thing, <clears> though, <throat> because of the terseness of the language, as you've seen, and sometimes the unusual terms that are being used, it leads us to very, in, very complicated discussions as to what right. it really means. It's, it's, it's not easy compared with either of the next
2: two puyten, the one that we apparently aren't going to study today, and. <laughs> And the one that we weren't going to set in is, which are, I think, much simpler to understand, yeah. even yeah. if they're not simpler to sing.
0: Right. So anyway, yeah, right. That, but that's a good point. It could have been just popularity. That, that's a factor. There's no question about it. Yeah. Absolutely a factor. Yeah. Okay. Anybody else? All right. So I wish you a good balance of the week. Uh, I bring you greetings from the Mile High City. Of course. Uh, thank you, Rabbi. You're welcome. Good night, all. No, oh, Freddie, hi. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am, Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.